Hi, I'm Gertrude Keesley, and this is Kingdom Consciousness. Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come, Matthews 24, 14. Before Jesus returns to set up his kingdom in its final form, the gospel of the kingdom must be extended throughout the nations of the world. In order to preach the gospel of the kingdom, we as kingdom citizens must understand the kingdom of God. Before we can become custodian to the keys of the kingdom, we must first experience kingdom living. In the past, much emphasis has been placed on the life and ministry of the king of the kingdom jesus christ and rightly so but not enough emphasis has been given to the gospel of the kingdom jesus told the religious leaders of his time ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for ye neither go in yourselves neither suffer them that are entering to go in matthew 23 13. It was this gospel of the kingdom that was the central purpose of Christ's life. He began his earthly ministry by declaring the arrival of the kingdom. That's, you can find that in Matthew 4.17. He ended his earthly ministry by speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom, Acts 1 and 3. In between the beginning and ending of his earthly ministry, the emphasis was on the kingdom. Luke 4.43 says, And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore I am sent. The kingdom of God was the greatest concern of Jesus. His teachings and parables focused on the kingdom. His miracles were a demonstration of the kingdom of God in action. The phrases kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are used over a hundred times in the books of Matthews, Mark, Luke, and John. We will explore the distinctions between these two. We are told to seek first the kingdom, to pray for it and to preach it. We are told how to enter the kingdom and taught that residency in it requires a new lifestyle. God is equipping his citizens to become kingdom minded so that we can understand the business of the kingdom. We are sons and daughters of the king. Everything about us is royalty, but we must first adopt the mind of Christ in order to understand what that actually means. We cannot have a poverty mindset and expect to grasp the reality of how much God desires for us to prosper. But there is a greater purpose than just understanding kingdom principles. Citizens must go beyond mere knowledge of the kingdom 
to actually experience it and make it the central purpose of our living. So I invite you to come and go with me as we explore this most exciting, interesting, and eye-opening subject. God's kingdom is a kingdom of consciousness. When you read the gospel narratives, do you ever notice how Jesus sees and hears those people ignored by others? Whether a blind beggar, a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, or a hungry crowd, Jesus either sees them when others don't, or he sees them quite differently than others do. These encounters inform us that Jesus had an intentional consciousness of those around him. This awareness flowed out of his understanding of God and who he was in relationship to God. Now, such attentiveness toward those who suffer often offered his followers a model of what it meant to live under the rule of God. But what kind of consciousness did Jesus have and what patterns of light living did he exhibit that offer us a pattern for living that continues to bring the kingdom of God into the world. In his life, Jesus expressed the essence of God's character and love through sacrificial action and vulnerability toward humanity. His consciousness about those around him, particularly those regarded as, in, as, as expendable by society, was based on his understanding of God's limitless and sacrificial love. Therefore, Jesus had a clear awareness, not only of his own purpose of bringing God's justice to the world, but he also had a keen consciousness of those who needed God's justice. For example, the poor, the oppressed, and the forgotten. How should this influence our living if we choose to live according to the paradigm Jesus has set for us? First, Jesus' life and teachings should convince us that we must repent of our complacency about the injustices in our world and that we must develop a consciousness about those who suffer. When Jesus called people to repent in response to his announcement that the kingdom of God had come, he was not just calling them to turn away from personal sins. He was calling them to repent of sins of neglect, 
unconsciousness and detachment, which are the greatest sins of humanity. He was calling them to repent from lives of self-centeredness and to commit their lives to embodying God's justice in the world. For most of us, the problem is not a lack of compassion or an unwillingness to help others, but rather it's a deficiency in our awareness about what really goes on in the world apart from our self-interest. Most churches have a prayer list on which one normally finds the concerns connected to that group. Somebody's grandmother, somebody's uncle, somebody's sick. There's nothing wrong with praying for these concerns, for they are real concerns, and God cares for each one. But why don't these prayer lists also mention the larger sufferings and injustices of the world, like hunger, war, and intolerance? Many churches don't set aside a time during worship to pray for those who suffer from injustices. In addition, Bible studies and sermons are mostly about us, how to live better lives, our relationships to God as individuals, how to get to heaven. Now, there's nothing wrong with this either, for these teachings are part of being Christians. But these concerns are a significantly small fraction of what it means to follow Christ. In our places of worship, we should press our thinking about God and about what God is doing in the world beyond ourselves and seek God's greater desire for us and for the world, which is to bring God's justice to all. When we do this, we will not only become aware of the greater needs of our world, but we will also become mindful of how God sees those who suffer. And when our collective consciousness is raised, we can respond to God's call to seek peace and justice. This way of thinking and acting is the utmost expression of faith in God. When we reach the point of abandoning our lives our desires, and even our very lives, ourselves, God's kingdom of justice will come and God, God's will to lift up the oppressed will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we focus on the immediate appearance of things, life is very busy and active, even chaotic. But if we are able to see what's in the depth of life, we begin to see Jesus. We see the love of God manifested in ways and in places that we might never have thought possible. We begin to develop an eye for the kingdom of God or what we call kingdom consciousness. To behold the kingdom of God requires an intentional awareness. Beholding the kingdom of God requires focus and intention. We must learn to pay attention, to be awake, as the Bible so often puts it. Kingdom consciousness is not so much about thinking 
as it is about a awareness, about being awake to the reality of God and God's kingdom. This is the rhythm our lives are to have, an awareness that we strive toward each moment of each day. And at times, it is a gift, and we rested it in it and gained strength from it. But as soon as we engage the world again, there will be a battle for our consciousness. Will we see the world in and of itself? Or will we look through the world and behold the kingdom of God? When we look for churches, for example, we tend toward those with fresh ideas, new insights into passages that trouble us, or exciting presentations that do the work of keeping us awake for us. But we're responsible for our own consciousness. We're commanded to stay awake and behold God and God's kingdom. We need to see that there is one fact that is far more simple, far more than simply factual. There's a holy fact set apart as completely other and superior to all others and worthy of our attention at all times. This fact is God's love. It's not new information for most, but to truly see it, to behold it all around you requires a new sort of consciousness, a kingdom consciousness. Life being alive, being truly alive with what the Bible calls life to the full means we know this holy fact, God's love. And we know it not just as information and another fact, but as a fact set apart that changes everything, including each and every moment of our lives. We can be given the information about Jesus, but to behold the kingdom of God requires our attention, our intentional awareness. The kingdom of God is at hand. Do we have eyes to see, ears to hear? Our hearts and minds are easily distracted and we forget quickly that which is most needful, but don't despair over that. What matters is that we respond faithfully to the reminders that God gives us to wake up to see anew the goodness and love of God in every moment as it unfolds. There is a door that separates the realm of the carnal mind from the realm of the kingdom. The process of repentance is the dawning of the kingdom realm rising in your consciousness. Hallelujah. There's a place on earth open and available to all where the nature of the physical realm 
and the realm of the kingdom unite in your conscious experience. Jesus has given us the key of entrance, seeking first the kingdom. On the other side of this door lies wonder beyond imagination, beauty yet to be seen with your eyes or imagine with your mind. The added substance of a life lived in the kingdom realm of consciousness cannot be qualified nor quantified with human understanding. It can only be experienced. Thank you, Jesus. In this divine domain, there is authority and influence not seen since the days of old and substance that's not realized since the days of Jesus. There's a remnant, a remnant of God's people standing at the door's threshold, having discovered the key. This group is waiting for the moment when the king invites us in. To this point, many have been granted momentary access beyond the realm of the carnal mind. Such pioneers of kingdom consciousness have tasted the powers of the age to come with experiences in the come up here realm. However, God is preparing groups of disciples not to just experience a taste of the kingdom, but to cultivate an abiding presence there. The dawning of the age of the kingdom dwellers is at hand. Those that enter the kingdom and learn to abide there will become the conduits through which kingdom attributes are expressed on earth. If not you, then who? And if not now, when? Isaiah 49, 13a says, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? God bless you and have a great day.